Welcome to the 8th Note Sessions. I'm Devin Mullen. And I'm Mike Shamil. And tonight, we're joined in conversation with Jamila Nicholas, uh, engineer at large, student of the law, and generally badass engineer. Jam, <laughs> thanks for joining us. How are we doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Doing great. So, so I wanted to hear about really what it's like working in, in audio right now, especially in live sound. We're in the middle of a pandemic. People are people are crazy. Uh, yeah. And we're, we're the last bastion, the, the entertainment. How's it going? <laughs> I think that statement you said, people are crazy, is exactly how it's going. And, <laughs> and that can mean a lot of positive and negative things. But, you know, um, luckily it's been pretty positive. Um, when things started opening up again, you know, live events kind of were thrown up all over engineers and we kind of actually had a shortage you know a lot of people uh got real jobs during the pandemic you know um very amazing engineers that i know uh sound really good nine to five it's very weird but um because of that you know it's it's been it's been very good it's been very chaotic in a good way you know i've had shows back to back it's they keep coming and yeah it's insane um no i know right now you're working at ironworks you're also uh if i remember correctly helping to to run an opera yeah i'm doing um carmen at bus state college rockwell hall and i think that's in like two weeks so you know it's if, if anybody knows about production it's a week of rehearsals so i'm gonna hear the same songs over and over again and it'll be in my head for at least the next year I guarantee it. You know, the good thing is, if they ever need an actor, like, last minute, you're going to know all the lines and every scene no. intimately. So, there's a reason why I'm in sound, it's because I can't sing and or play instruments. So, we're going to keep it at that. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess. If they really needed to, I could. Voice of God, mic accompaniment. And all right, bring right. your iPad down on the stage so that you can run the faders in between <laughs> scenes, okay? That's actually, that's a great thing to put on a resume. There you go. Good thing, that, yeah. I don't idea. think anyone would be able to top that either. No, definitely not. So there, there's a pretty big disparity, though, in, in between the, the sonic requirements of an opera and, uh, you know, more of a, a really high-energy band-centric venue like like the Ironworks. Um, could, could you speak a little bit on that and just how the, the processes are different? Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because they are so different. Um, you know, going from Ironworks where the shows will go up to like 2 a.m. and then an opera that will end at 10 p.m. sharp. And, you know, uh, besides, you know, the, the, the time differences, you know, the the level of energy, like you said, is always so different, you know, especially with operas and you're working with the union, you know, there's a sense of a different sense of professionalism. Cause I'm not saying there isn't when it comes to like club stuff, but you know, it's, you get there, you do warm ups for an hour and, you know, and then you rehearse, you stop and you, you know, you do your thing in an opera. But as for ironworks, it's like, tours walk in they're like what's up you know let's do a sound check yeah the energy is just like 
you know, it's so different. Um, but I love both of it. I mean, would would you attribute that in part to how compartmentalized in, in theater and opera the, the tacking process is? Like, there, there aren't people wandering around the house while you're, you know, you're doing tack rehearsal. Ideally. Right. If, you know, if, if there is Ideally. a problem. Um, yeah. But, yeah, in, in a bar or something, I mean, there are, there are people coming in, checking out the sound check and, uh, and all that. Um, you know, sorry to interrupt you. I know... So at Ironworks, because of the way we run, I have been lucky enough to have like no patrons drinking or anything during sound check. Um, But uh, yeah, it's really nice. So, you know, uh, the company I work for, they, you know, they organize it so well and schedule it properly where I actually have like a couple hours to load these guys in, get a good sound check. You know, it's nice. It could be loud as hell. Um, and it's all good. And then we doors open. So I've been very lucky, but I did start like in the beginning of my live sound career, I did do sound at dinosaur barbecue and it's a pain in the, in, in the butt, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause the drunk people are eating like wings and ribs and they're like, what are you doing? You know, I'm like, I don't know. I'm setting up a microphone. Hey, uh, keep your greasy fingers <laughs> off my board. Shoo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just want to sing a song. No, you can't sing yeah, a song. Like, You're not on the bill. <laughs> exactly. So it's I do. Too I love my over character. here. Could you turn it down? <laughs> yeah, that's wow. PTSD. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do, do you feel like that's part of a? sort of every engineer is coming up though working like the the space that is really not a music venue and just oh. figuring it out. I don't think you can be a sound engineer like in the highest, you know, in the highest sense without experiencing that, you know, a lot of the greatest sound engineers I've ever met while they were touring and played at our venue, you know, they always tell me stories about their first like bar gig, their club gig. Um, You know, my mentors out here in Buffalo, uh, they did club gigs for like decades, you know, and then, you know, found their way into like, the opera scene you know um so yeah i think it's definitely conducive like you need to work at a crappy bar and do sound there and cry a little bit and then you know find your way up and then and to be clear i, I love the food at dinosaur barbecue i will go there happily any night and have a, a plate of ribs. We, we, yes. we, we love dinosaur barbecue we yeah we do we do um <laughs> So, yeah, you, it's what I like about your career, too, is that you seem to have, um, again, this very wide experience covering different avenues of performance, such as uh, band shows to opera. Um, you're also in IATSE, uh, yeah. the, the union. Um, what is that experience like? Because there's this whole... Uh, I guess demographic of the industry uh, that are hyper independent. You know, you're you're running your own studio. You're completely freelance. What's the trade off to be made? Uh, positive pros and cons with with joining the union. Um, you know, I think the biggest positive from it, you know, is the networking. I've met a lot of fantastic people. You know, um, working shows at uh, Darien Lake, the Keybank Center. Um, you know, kind of all over the place. But I, I would say that's the, the biggest uh, positive. Um, and a lot of the people that, you know, 
are on tour, uh, they specifically ask for audio people, and there's a very like small amount of IATSE members that you know know audio. So I got lucky, and um, because of my experience, I'm able to hang out with like the audio engineers during these big shows. So um, you know, that's like I think besides networking, that would be the biggest uh, not con to pro because I get to see their equipment, I get to see how they set up, I have awesome conversations with them, I'm friends with a lot of them, like online still, and you know, we stay, we stay uh, connected. Um, as for the cons, you know, I think a lot, of, a lot of the cons come from, you know, a lot of stereotyping or like racial profiling, you know, misogyny, all the fun stuff, uh, you know, I've definitely been, you know, spoken down to, belittled and whatnot because, you know, for whatever reason, and I, I can only, one can only assume it's gender, race, and, you know, sexuality, so sexual for the, for For the viewers at home, that's something very, very important to note is that audio is a highly, highly male-dominated field at this point. So yes. it's, a, it's an uphill battle uh, to make inroads on. Um, for for anyone, but especially people who aren't men, um, yes. you know how how is that sort of not not shaped? Because I'd like to think that we're all able to be stronger than our circumstances at at the end of the day. But how has that sort of influenced your your story and your journey through audio? Having um, it's. It's always such a difficult subject to talk about because ultimately as raw as I can possibly be, it's kind of like hardened me, you know? Um, when I first started off, I just thought that's how it went, you know? Uh, like there's just, dom it's a male dominant world, you know? Um, like I felt like a lot of the experiences that I had, you know, at first, at first felt very negative, you know, like, why am I doing this? You know, I feel like I, I constantly run into situations where someone is telling me something um, that's very condescending and whatnot. And I think because of those experiences, it, it's pushed me to reassert myself as a sound a female sound engineer. Um, so as weird as it sounds, I'm glad it happened because, you know, I go in with such so much more confidence now because um, I know what I'm doing. You know, I, I had, you know, I had to go through a lot of mental journeys uh, uh, to try to reassert myself, reassure myself. Um, and um, yeah, so. I, I think you've, you've taken those, those struggles quite to heart. Um, as we talked about in our, our pre-interview conversation, uh, you're also studying pre-law. Um, yeah really with an intense focus on on that struggle not just as it pertains to working in entertainment but as it sort of intersects with our, our very social fabric um yeah definitely you know obviously there's only so many hours in a day and only <laughs> one life to live but <laughs> yeah what are do you have some kind of combination of law and technology and art that you, you want to sort of craft together in, into your life and in, into your higher aspirations or your dreams? I mean, absolutely. You know, I think it, it's funny because when I told a lot of my uh, 
sound engineer friends that I, I decided to go to school to become an attorney, you know, they kind of were like, those are such different fields. And, and yeah, like ultimately they are, but you know, they, there's a connection there. And the biggest connection, especially since I'm going into law for the social justice aspect is to fight for like people of color, the underprivileged, you know, um, uh, just the whole spectrum of not basically being like a cis white male and, and um, in the music industry, it's, it's, it's very important, you know, to highlight those certain things. And um, I guess to answer your question, how does one combine law and the music industry as a sound engineer? And uh, I think it's just being able to recognize, you know, when someone is being mistreated um, for who they are, you know, for the for their their skin color, for their gender, and being able to eliminate that through like the the process of law, if that makes sense. Um, Absolutely, because yeah. otherwise the you know whatever recourse you're supposed to take, it's either not illuminated or right. just you don't know what to do. Um, yeah, you're you're also. Um, uh, first generation. Yes. So, yes. Your, your parents, you said, are, are from the Philippines. Um, yeah. It said on your Facebook you, you're from Los Angeles initially. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all over. Um, <laughs> How'd you end up here? <laughs> you know, that was the same. I had the same question burning in my mind, and I was trying to resist, like, asking that. Because everyone who moves to Buffalo usually has... An interesting story because no one thinks as, as as much as I love Buffalo, no one thinks as our city is like a destination. Um, you know, to be super honest with you, I think that LA is way too glamorized for what it is. And I'm not saying I hate it because I love it. I have it tattooed on my arm, you know. But um, it, it's it's definitely it. California has a lot of issues right now, and that's another conversation I think. But um, I essentially had to get out of there because I felt like it was just, you know, too condensed and uh, there was not enough originality, not enough like genuine uh, personalities out there. And I just felt like I had to leave, you know, just like everybody has to leave their hometown, basically. I mean, not not having ever been there, but just, you know, LA's famous, so everyone knows a little <laughs> bit about it. Um, it, it seems <laughs> they, they don't know the bad parts, but yeah. Well, well, that's that's the thing. I mean, there it really is a tale of two cities in that case, and mm -hmm. you know, certainly in the pandemic, but also over the past few decades, I think the sure. the widening gap between the have and have nots uh, has just been growing more and more severe, and it's yeah. It's, it's bad now yeah it's really like sad that. actually yeah. yeah yeah but um you know my parents moved there uh for opportunity and uh didn't really get it you know so um you know i i'm just i'm very grateful for the struggles that they you know that they endured for my brother and i um but you know as as i got older i realized that they really didn't get to live their life to the fullest uh, they're still around, by the way. I don't didn't mean to say like they passed on or anything, but you know, I feel kind of bad because, you know, the way they were treated and the struggles that they went through in a city like LA, you know, uh, 
like they didn't get it they didn't get a chance to live you know and um it's, it's kind of sad man do, do you take it upon yourself then to like live doubly to to make up for that kind of kind of um, thing or is it, i mean can you can you even undo that that sort of revel you know you know population? yes and no um my my parents are just they're, they're both uh my mother and father are both very amazing and they've always had a positive outlook on things despite the factors you know and uh um but you know i i i we, i'm trying my hardest to 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 live a good life you know to to essentially like show them that what they, they did good you know um obviously not trying to not do what they want but you know because otherwise i'd be a doctor or some crazy shit like that (laughs) (laughs) no parents always have like really crazy ideas of what we should be yeah Yeah. (laughs) always it's yeah always um yeah so actually what's really funny is that they they, uh when i when i finally told my parents i was going to go to school for law they were freaking out you know they're like oh my gosh you're kind of lawyer i was like civil rights and they're like what's that you know because they didn't they didn't grow up in, in that you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so moving moving forward then keeping keeping this idea that so many of us in, in this country are really immersed in our own struggle and the the way out seems to be from solidarity and good allyship and all you know basically coming together and continuing that fight um even even when you do have lifelong setbacks as as you sort of allude to um do you think things are getting better do you think there's cause for optimism in in this um because <laughs> it's it's been a tough week it's been been a very tough week it's it's been a really really rough week and um you know i think yeah it's that whole situation i mean i feel like we're talking about the same thing big elf in the room was you know uh the verdict for kyle rittenhouse and um yeah yeah i was very angry when i find found that out um but learning about the legal system it's it's so not surprising and it's disgusting how how not surprising it is um but to answer your question i think things are getting better in a smaller sense um i feel like community wise you know each city each company you know companies that are uh they're they're actually trying um so yes when it comes to that sense like larger things like you know um like that situation it's tough to say um obviously just you know just going full circle here like things had to happen for people to like be aware of it um for things to finally push forward you know to move forward um and so yeah i think it's tough to say but uh i think a lot of people are starting to become more aware of you know the horrible things that happen in our system and it takes people like you guys and you know people that side with us to try to educate and inform people properly about like what needs to happen you know i was reading a, a book by historian howard zen 
a few weeks ago, and he, he says that when considering American history, it's often best not to look strictly at the narratives of oppression and genocide and violence and inequities um, as being indicative of the American character, but rather the, the community support networks, the resistance to that, the, the rising above it as more indicative of who we are. Right. And that's what gets me through it. Sort of jumping off this idea of rising above as, you know, not, not going to get too much into that statement, but this idea of rising <laughs> above. Um, what, what sparks joy in you in, in audio, in making these connections and traveling around and making your world a bigger place? Man, I think the whole thing is is the reason why I'm so into it. You know, I think every aspect of it besides the networking, I mean, even like the nerdy side of it, you know, learning microphones, as you guys both know, like microphones are so cool, you know? They are. Freaking awesome. Yeah, they're awesome, right? Like they do cool shit. <laughs> the reason why we can talk right now, you know? Um, I wish I could have I, just like a huge yeah. mic locker of like, a variety of everything. <laughs> yeah, just all the condensers, all the, the dynamic mics, all of it. Um, me too. Um, and mine is slowly growing, and it's what I spend all my money on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I love the technical aspect of it besides the networking. Um, I like the routing and the engineering of boards. You know, it's amazing that somebody made that. You know, it's the reason why we have entertainment and production. It's the reason why we can have this conversation right now, you know? Um, so I think that's, you know, I find great joy in learning about the genius that goes into equipment and um, the way it produces something so phenomenal. It is pretty magical, isn't it? It is, yeah. Do you enjoy the problem solving aspect of doing live sound in particular versus other forms of engineering? I love it. I absolutely love it. And, um, you know, what, what I love the most about it is that there's always a solution and that there are many ways to find the solution, you know? Um, but I will say there is a downfall of the problem solving and it's usually people that make it a little more difficult. It's not necessarily like a malfunction in equipment and trying to diagnose it. It's, it's actually like like certain people that, that make it a little less fun, I guess. Hey, dude, quit turning your guitar amp up. We set the levels in sound check. Leave it alone. <laughs> do you do you know that? Do you know that by experience? Because it's like it's very yes. notorious. Guitarists are so notorious for having the loudest amp. Um, I, I I'm did not this say, horrible yeah. show like a long time ago. Uh, not a horrible show. The show was fun, but the venue <laughs> was not like a proper venue. And sometimes yeah. it's fun being in non-traditional venues, but the room yeah. sounded like garbage. I was very green and had like big borrowed and steeled enough stuff to couple together a PA. And it was just enough where I could amplify the vocals and like a couple small things. And I was like, guys, it's a small room. Right. Let's get the amps set. You don't. I, mean, I don't need to mic those up. Those are, those go higher than my PA system does. Okay. Oh no. <laughs> we need to hear your vocals. A and got it all sounding beautiful. And then two songs in, the lead guitarist cranked it, 
yeah. and then all of his friends came up to me and they're like why can't we hear the vocals all we hear is the guitar i'm like see that <laughs> dial right listening. there see that one right there <laughs> you know you know i will say that uh i will say that i've i've worked with lately which is very surprising um consistent really good guitarists that are aware of stage uh stage yes. bleeds and it's good. amazing you know like uh They'll bring they'll bring panels to block you know the sound from coming out and it's it's like wow you know what you're doing man you know um, that's wonderful but yeah and you know and there will be that time where I have to do like the the parent voice on talkback <laughs> like if you don't turn down your guitar amp right now I will mute you completely <laughs> you yes. know like oh my gosh which has happened before you know and um you just have to you have to just tell them and hopefully they listen uh, right because as musicians it's so important to learn how to trust the person doing your sound yeah. because at the end of the day they're the ones who have control over how your performance is translated to the audience and Absolutely. if you give them a hard time you're making their day worse you're making your day worse and you're making your fans experience worse yeah and if you could learn to like work with them and trust them then it's gonna be a much more relaxing show and frankly as a musician like like <laughs> to try and do sound and play together at the same time is horrible oh it's, yeah it's, that so awesome having someone who like who's running the sound it just takes your mind you know uh it takes a lot of pressure off your mind trust your sound people yeah i can you just tell the whole world that or all of the musicians <laughs> well, i can tell everyone who's listening today at least <laughs> i think i'm gonna hire a, a biplane with one of those banners <laughs> trust your yes. sound people no. <laughs> fly it over the next oh, bills game <laughs> oh yeah i i truly truly appreciate musicians that um just have it together and they're very aware of it you know there's usually you know somebody in the band and i feel like that might might be you like um that uh that's like the the technical person of you know of the band that's the person i usually talk to and for some reason it's either like the keyboardist or the bassist which is odd enough which player. is odd enough <laughs> yeah which is odd enough um yeah uh I with a here's here's our stage plot here's our ins <laughs> and outs <laughs> <laughs> i have to give a shout out really quick to a band called john t from uh colorado that played at ironworks uh recently and they sent me the most amazing input list they you know they're like these are the mics we have we like to low pass and high pass at these frequencies i literally just had a plug and plate and it was um wow. it was fantastic yeah they, they knew exactly what they were doing and i just i appreciate that so if you're a musician please have a stage plot and an input list and talk to your sound engineer and trust them so what what other things so if, if there's some new musicians listening that are just kind of getting their feet wet and just kind of exploring the, the scene and, and how it works, um, what are the things do they need to be mindful of or discuss with their sound prior to actually playing on stage? You know, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. You pretty much have to trust your sound engineer, but you know, that goes to say that it, the sound engineer knows what they're doing. Um, so it, it's, it's 50 50 but i think the biggest thing is informing them of you know what you need so like 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 you said a stage plot like you know maybe what kind of microphones you need what kind of how many mic stands what kind of mic stands you know am i miking your drum kit um 
you know, those are the, the those are the biggest things I think uh, are important, and just an equipment list and a rider, uh, you know, uh, or any like fair warnings, like your base has a short and it's gonna buzz at like 600 hertz. That would be nice <laughs> to know, you know, like um, stuff like that, you know, uh, just being fully prepared uh, for what it would be like if you did sound for your band, you know, yeah. Yeah, because there's a, a lot of like moving pieces into getting that right, so it's definitely worth taking that time to prepare. Thank you for, for oh, that yeah. valuable info. Yeah, man. If you have any other questions, you know. Um, well, Jim, I, I got one more because we're we're just about at time here, um, cool. and I, I want to thank you for making uh, time to join us tonight. I know you have a very very busy schedule, so this has been a treat. Yeah. Um, just talking about the the local scene a little bit. Who are who are some acts that you really like working with, or some really standout shows you've seen? Um, so I've actually been working with this phenomenal band, uh, Breakfast for Dinner. I'm actually wearing their crew neck right now. I've heard about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I've worked with. I've been working with Breakfast for Dinner a lot. They're uh, a pop band that's up and coming, and they're so damn talented. And I'm not just saying that because we're good friends, but um, you know they're a local band that does exactly what we just spoke about. They have their stage plot, they have their input list. Uh, and, you know, even though they're not big yet, they decided to hire me as their front of house engineer, which is, which shows that they care, you know, because they want the best sound possible. Um, so, you know, they're, they're amazing. They have a show coming up in Corning, New York. Um, and uh, they're, they're, I don't know. I see big, good, amazing, big things for them. But um, so that's who I work with uh, personally. But you know, Aqueous, as everybody knows, uh, fantastic musicians. My goodness, like what? You know, they're they, fantastic they, live. They're amazing. It's insane. Um, and I know a lot of the techs that work with them personally too. So uh, you know, they just did a show recently as well, where I pretty much uh, babysat, and it was nice uh, to listen to them. Um, there's a lot of bands in Buffalo, man. Oh my gosh. Uh, a lot of really good ones. And I'm surprised we're not on like, I'm surprised we're not being promoted as much as like a live sound, you know, live music city, because it's nothing but live music out here. I know it drives me yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Buffalo occupies this negotiated space because it really is a, a nexus for a lot of really, really big names and really big acts. And there, there is stuff coming out of Buffalo right now, especially in the hip hop scene that is making, you know, waves around the world and, and nationally. Right. Um, but, but you're right. There is this sort of state of invisibility that I think the majority of people sort of live in. You know, yeah, I, I, I assume if we if we keep all you know pushing together, we'll you know we'll break through that seal and we'll be something real special. Yeah. Oh, you guys are from New York. How 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 uh, often do you see uh, the Statue of Liberty? Uh, I don't know. Maybe once a year when I drive to the other side of the state. I'm from Buffalo. Where is that? <laughs> so I have to I have to tell you guys something and don't get mad, okay? When I <laughs> when I first. When I first moved, like, or when I first heard about Buffalo, like, I, it was at, it was in the movie, um, Bruce Almighty. <laughs> that's the first, 
I thought it was a fake city. I really did. I'm not even kidding. I, and then, you know, I, I watched that when I was a kid and like, turns out I'm going to end up living in this fake city, you know? So it was, it, it was very weird, you know, to find out it was real. But affirming, your life's just like a movie. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's the way the cookie crumbles, man. I, I guess. I guess. All right. Well, I, I think that's that's our time for tonight. Uh, Jan, thank you again for, for joining us. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. And with that, I'm Davin Mullen. I'm Mike Shamil. And this has been the 8th Note Sessions. Catch you next time. Here's a soundbite of the song Say by Breakfast for Dinner. You can find their music at breakfastfordinnerofficial.bandcamp.com. The Eighth Note Sessions are produced by Music is Art. Our co-hosts are Devin Mullen and Michael Shamil. Editing by Michael Shamil. The Executive Director is Tracy Fletcher. Our Program Director is Sarah Elizabeth Shaw. You can help programs like this keep going by donating today at musicisart.org. Thanks for listening.